Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today. And we're live. Hello. How are Hello. you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. We're having a fun night. You we just are. came home from your holiday Christmas party. It was fun. <laughs> or your office Christmas party. Yeah, it looks like a, a fun time. You came home in your Christmas sweater. Yeah, we did Secret Santa. I got golf balls and golf oh, gloves. Lovely. I was popping off. Amazing. I ate half of my gingerbread house today, so. <laughs> As you should, queen. <laughs> yeah. You had the roof today? I ate half of the roof. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. As I should. It was surprisingly good. I love the gingerbread. But we had so much sugar. Last was night like... was, we were decorating the gingerbread houses last night, and oh my god, I consumed so much gingerbread frosting. I was literally vibrating and thought that I was not going to fall asleep, and I didn't for a while, but then I managed to, so yeah. it was a problem. we're keeping with it. <laughs> we're keeping it right. Keeping it light. Yeah. So we have for you today a curated list of listener stories. That's true. Which are quite good. They are. These are all very good stories. I'm looking forward to talking about them. Should we just jump in? I think we should just jump in. Let's do it. Hello, Alex and Stephanie. Why not Stephanie and Alex? No, I'm joking. (laughs) 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 Could you imagine? No. Uh, Love the podcast. It's my new favorite thing to listen to when I get ready in the morning. Lol. Love that for you and for me. I have a wild story for you that happened to me when I was 16 and worked at McDonald's. A rough time. Yeah, I worked at Chick-fil-A. I can, I feel your pain. I worked at a hardware. Yeah. It was a typical Saturday afternoon, and I was taking drive through orders at McDonald's in Buffalo, New York, about 20 years ago, when I noticed an older woman pacing slowly up and down the drive through She wasn't in the direct path, but just outside of it, so she wasn't interrupting traffic or anything that would warrant me having to talk to her. At first, I thought nothing of it as we would occasionally get a homeless person walking in that area waiting for someone to drop their change at the window so they could pick it up. Sometimes I would keep a cup of quote-unquote keep the change and give it to whoever might come by looking. However, this woman was not looking for change. Instead, she was slowly pacing up and down, and whenever she passed my window, she would turn her head and stare at me while maintaining her pace. It was unsettling, but I learned a long time ago to not engage with weirdos, so I just ignored her best I could. This woman had to be in her late 50s, with an above-shoulder bob haircut, and it was stained that yellow color one sees on heavy smokers. She was wearing an ankle-length denim blue skirt with sneakers and an oversized men's denim blue and white broad vertical striped shirt. Damn. Okay. Long denim skirt and blue and white striped oversized men's <laughs> shirt we, we following <laughs> this is so funny because it's like can you give me the fewest amount of details that i'm matter? trying because I'm i really can't trying. absorb more than that. but this person did a great job describing it Definitely. i just can't absorb it that's okay. that's okay this woman is wearing a denim skirt that goes all the way down to her ankles yes and her hair is dyed like smoker teeth yellow yes like yellow and like in a bob wow yeah what a character right so i think what she's getting at is this person is looking a little little unhinged yes yeah she was or she's super trendy either (laughs) (laughs) 
And you know what? It's it's just so hard to tell. <laughs> These days? Because she could be tell. a model for all we know. Anyway, she must have walked past my window about 12 times before I called my manager over just to let her know this woman was acting weird. But by the time the manager got to me, the woman was gone. I shrugged it off and laughed at my paranoia. A few seconds later, I took a woman's order, and when she pulled up to my window to pay, she asked me who the woman by the drive through speaker was. She said the woman was acting so strange and made her and her children very uncomfortable. I asked if the woman was wearing a denim shirt, and she said yes. I informed her that we did not know who this was, and we would check it out immediately. As soon as I said that, as if on cue, there was a wild scream from over by the ordering speaker, but I couldn't see anything from my window. I immediately told my manager, and she sent two of the older men from the grill area out back to see what was up and to ask the woman to leave if necessary. After a couple of minutes, the guys came back in and started telling us that they didn't see anyone when there was another scream, this time from inside the restaurant. I turned around to see the woman trying to get past the grill area toward me, as three of the grill workers were struggling to hold her back. Whoa. Her eyes were fixed on me as she lunged and fought against the grill workers, arms outstretched, trying to reach and grab me. My heart was racing as my manager pulled me into the office and shut the door. She immediately called the police, but by then the grill workers managed to get her back into the lobby area, where she immediately ran and locked herself in the woman's restroom. My manager had two workers stay just outside the bathroom while we waited for police in case she came out. When the cops showed up, the manager unlocked the door for them, and the scene was horrific. The woman had smeared feces all over the walls. She was oddly calm as they walked her out of the restroom. I was peeking over the counter to see what was going on, but trying to stay hidden just in case. I guess I wasn't hidden enough because she locked eyes with me, let out another guttural scream as she quickly escaped the cop's grip and lunged over the counter toward me. I jumped back and hit the handle of the milkshake machine hard with my back. I had a bruise there for about six weeks. It was so painful. The cops managed to pull her back and get her outside, where they walked her across the street to the large grocery store parking lot. When they came back, they said that they couldn't arrest her, but told her if she came back into the McDonald's, they would. When they left, my manager asked if I was okay, and being a cocky 16-year-old, I said I was. I was not. She told me to leave early and to go home and to try to relax and forget about the whole thing, and I did not argue. I usually walked to and from work. It wasn't a short walk, about 30 minutes, but my family did not have a car and there was no direct bus routes. I also didn't mind the walk. As I was getting ready to leave, I looked out the window of the restaurant and saw the woman pacing just outside the parking lot. When she noticed me watching her, she stopped pacing and stared at me with an evilness I have never seen before or since. I have no clue what I did to this woman, but she was out for me, and me only. I knew if I went outside, she would probably chase me, but she wasn't technically on the property, so we couldn't call the cops again. My manager didn't have a car, and no one else was available to drive me home, so I called the only person I knew with a car, my cousin Ricardo. I told him what happened, and being an older cousin, he started teasing me, but I could hear his girlfriend in the background telling him to stop being a dick and to go pick me up. 
So, Damn it, Ricardo, for Christ, yeah. just pick her up. Right. So he agreed and said he'd be there in 10 minutes. I tried to keep an eye on this crazy old Betty. I felt safer knowing where she was. I was also trying to figure out how to get from the restaurant to my cousin's car safely once he showed up. My manager came over to check on me as I waited, and in the few seconds I turned my head to speak to her, the meth head Martha Stewart lady had disappeared. I couldn't see her anywhere. I got up and looked out every window trying to find her so I could avoid her, but she was nowhere to be seen from any of the floor-to-ceiling windows that lined the restaurant walls. My cousin pulled up and I took one more look around to check if the coast was clear. Not seeing her anywhere, I walked out the door toward his car, which was literally less than 10 feet away. As soon as I walked outside, I heard the crazy woman scream and turned around to see her running toward me. She was standing just behind a bit of the wall of the building that was invisible from the inside. Whoa. What is this woman's problem? I turned and ran to my cousin's car, threw open the back door, and jumped inside while screaming at him, Drive! He was so confused, asking, What the hell is going on? And I kept screaming, Drive! Drive! I managed to get the door closed just as the woman reached it, and she started banging on the car window with both fists, screaming inaudibly at me. My cousin, still confused, started yelling, What the fuck? What the fuck? And his girlfriend yelled at him, Just fucking drive! Go! Go! Drive! (laughs) My cousin hit the gas and screeched out of there, but this woman started chasing his car. He had to run a red light to get away from her, all while screaming, What the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? (laughs) She ran after his car for a couple of blocks until we lost sight of her. Oh my god. Once I got home, I ran out of his car, into my apartment, and hugged my mom, crying my eyes out. Ricardo and his girlfriend followed me and told my mother what had happened as much as they knew anyway, and she immediately called the police. They showed up a few minutes later and took down all three of our stories and said we were going to try to find this woman and would let us know what happened. My mom rightfully ripped them a new one for not arresting the woman the first time, to which they were surprisingly understanding, although they were not the same cops from earlier. About an hour later, the cops showed up at our apartment and said they found the woman standing in the middle of a field that was about six blocks from my home. She was just standing in the middle of a field, staring up at the sky, muttering something. She gave them no trouble and went peacefully into the squad car. When they asked around, they learned that she was a patient at a psychiatric center that was about five miles down the street from my McDonald's. Since it was a different district, the original McDonald's cops were not aware of her being missing at the time. The cops spoke with the people of the psych center and told them what had happened with me, and the doctors assumed I must have looked like someone she knew, someone who triggered her, and that's why she targeted me. Lucky me, right? The cops assured me that she was now back in the center and I didn't have to worry about her again. I had nightmares for weeks and had to set up rides to and from work for the next few months out of fear she would pop out from behind a bush or something, but she never did. The nightmares faded when the bruises on my back did, but to this day I think of her and wonder what the hell someone who looked like me did to her. I am still so grateful to my coworkers, my cousin, and his girlfriend for having my back, but fucking hell, that was so terrifying. Even though it was traumatizing, I enjoy telling the story now as it is wild and feels like a fever dream, but also no one actually got hurt, which I am so grateful for. I hope you found it as insane as I do. Thanks for the podcast and keep breathing. Christiana. Love that, Christiana. Wow. But 
what an intense story. She really just locked on to her. Yeah. It was incessant. Yes. And she smeared shit all over the bathroom. Yeah. Some poor worker had to clean that up. Definitely. Too. Yeah. This woman was clearly in a mental health like crisis. And she was 16. The, yeah. Christiana. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's a lot. That's surreal, You're man. just trying to go to work, make an honest I mean, living, and you, you get know. randomly targeted. That sucks. And you have to walk two miles to work, probably. Mile and a half. Yeah. 30 minutes. Like, yeah, like, a, yeah, depending on how fast you walk. To and from work. I mean, you're just trying to do the thing. Yeah. It's crazy that she, like, hid behind the building where they couldn't see her, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess that's not the craziest part. But, like, you know, like, she, she was with it enough to know, like, I'm going to hide where they can't see me from the window. The other thing is the cops... Once they got there and were escorting the woman, let her go. Like, we're not close enough to her to, like, grab her. Right. And then she lunged at her again. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, I guess they're like, if you do that again, we will arrest you that time. We're going to wag our finger. Right, It's like someone who smears shit on the wall is not in their right mind. Yeah. You know? And that wasn't even, like, the most aggressive part. Yeah. So You know what I mean? But this was, I think, years ago at this point. So, and she yeah. seems to be doing well. I hope. But, but it is a very good story to break out at parties. Oh my you god! Know? Be like, hey, listen to this shit. Yeah, literally. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. Hard anyway, to top that one. Yeah. Anyway, thank you, Christiana, for your story. Uh, let's move on to the next. All right. Next story. Story two says, "Hi guys, I was heavy into skydiving as a younger person for twelve years." I wanted to learn how to fly, but health problems, including a nonverbal learning disability, made learning to fly impossible. I figured skydiving would at least be half an airplane ride, as in takeoff, but no landing with the airplane. So to celebrate my 21st birthday, I showed up at Cartersville, Georgia Airport to make a jump. Back then, there was no tandem, thank goodness, as I'll never jump strapped to someone else. Yick. I like that. Yick. You like that? Yeah. But on this particular weekend, the weather was terrible. It had been terrible for the last month, and it was drizzly with a ceiling of 900 feet. But under the cloud deck, horizontal visibility was 7 miles. I read this as once you hit 900 feet, it's all clouds. But when you're under the clouds, you can see for 7 miles. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. Technically, we could jump if we packed our squares to open fast, as if we were going to jump off a building or a bridge. The square parachute was originally designed for the military to open fast, be maneuverable, and able to land on tippy toes instead of having to do a parachute landing fall as under a round canopy. So three of us idiots decided we'd give it a try. So 900 feet going 140 miles per hour. I asked the pilot if we could get another inch or two in altitude. Ron, who has over 1,000 jumps, goes first. Me and Graham watch him carefully. From leaping off the strut of the Cessna 182, from opening to landing, since if he died, we weren't going to go. It took about five seconds from start to finish. Ron landed and gave us two big thumbs up. My turn. I did everything I had seen Ron do. Crawl out, hang on the strut, my left foot on the step over the fixed landing gear tire, my right leg dangling in the breeze. I pull out my pilot chute, which is attached to my bridle cord, to the bag containing my main canopy. I leap off the arch hard, simultaneously letting go of my pilot chute. Nothing happens. 
I look over my right shoulder and my pilot chute is wrapped around my right foot. I yell a naughty word, which people on the ground hear. That's how close he is to the ground. That's yeah. insane. They figured I was going to die as the time to impact from 900 feet is mere seconds. They actually hid their faces and turned their backs so as to not witness my death. I had a flood of adrenaline because suddenly I could see the individual blades of grass sticking out of the wet, muddy ground. My hands did the opposite of what I was taught to do in a malfunction. Cut away my main, then pull my reserve parachute. I pulled my reserve, then cut away my main. Normally, doing this could cause a double malfunction with the two parachutes becoming entangled. But not today, as I need every microsecond left before impact. My reserve opened, and I had not even looked up to check it before I was on the ground. The time from exit to impact was right at three and a half seconds, and I was able to open my reserve under that time. I laid on my back in the wet grass, looking up at the low cloud deck as my unopened mane landed next to me. Jesus Christ. Dude, I can't think of a more relieved moment as you're sitting there on the ground looking up at the plane and your malfunction parachute lands next to you. Literally. Insane. Back at the hangar, everyone was shocked yet happy I was alive. An older guy in his 40s at the time whispered in my ear, it's good to be young and fast. <laughs> I like how you added that. Good you job. You like that? Graham rode the airplane down, not surprisingly, and we decided that was enough jumping for the day and proceeded to have a party. It's true, nearly dying makes one appreciate life just a little bit more. Thanks for indulging my deep memories, David. David. David, we are so glad you're alive. So glad. Shout out to you. Dude, there's no fucking way I would do this. Oh, God. We could not be caught dead. No. Having to open a parachute in under five seconds. 3.5 seconds. So stay with me. Yeah. Ready? One, two, three. Eh. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the half. Yeah. You're on the ground. Uh-huh. Because I that, guess they were flying really low. It was like they were basically jumping off of a building, but just yeah. out of a plane. They were doing like a base jump. Isn't that what they call it? Yeah, something like that. That sounds um, right. So in those like one, two, three you realize you fucked up yeah and then you do the wrong thing and you live well he didn't fuck up initially his parachute malfunctioned yeah but i mean you know the parachute fucked up that's what yeah, i meant but yeah 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 then you detach that's like maybe half a second one second and then you open <laughs> dude i just i cannot believe that this happened it's insane i know would you ever go parachuting I think I would skydive once. Skydive, that's the word. Not parachuting. Hello? I mean, we know what you mean. Have you ever gone parachuting? Y'all done the parachute? <laughs> no. Uh, i gone shooting. Would you ever go skydiving? Yeah, I would. I wouldn't. I would probably be tethered to somebody. Well, that's, Unlike yeah. David. Like, I understand, David, that it's, like, it's very weird. But I don't want this to happen to me. No. You know? No, 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 no. Um, I think at that point he had had, like, quite a few um, experiences jumping. So this wasn't, like, his first rodeo. But... It's a tough one. Still. 900 feet. Scary okay. to say the least. Well, hey, you know, that's a great story. Yeah, I mean, very you know, good story. pull that one out at parties. Yeah, exactly. All right, on to the next. Hello, friends. I'd like to share with you a story about a time when my friend and I accidentally involved ourselves in a possible crime slash murder slash squatting issue, question mark? Squatting issue. Yeah. I'm still not too sure exactly what happened, and I have a feeling I never will. In early April of 2021, my friend Sophia and I were both very bored, as the pandemic had us both doing online school. 
Sophia had previously lived in an apartment building that had a beach in the back. The beach was also connected to a foresty cliff area that had a rundown walking trail. Locals called it Secret Beach. She told me that we should go there to go tan and hang out. I was hesitant because I knew it was private property, but she told me that when she first moved in, the owner let her know that the beach was for tenants and that there would be no problem with us going there. We rode our bikes there and arrived in the afternoon. As we were riding our bikes on the trail that led to the beach, we noticed it was pretty empty, which was kind of unusual because it was a popular spot for teenagers to go and do teenager stuff. The only people that we saw there were two older men standing outside of their apartments who both waved to us and a couple who were taking pictures in a field nearby. We parked our bikes on the beach and climbed up some rocks into a higher up foresty area. Sophia and I went to go do what bored teenagers do in small Louisiana towns, smoke weed and tan. Before we sat down and pulled out our rad smoking materials, we began to smell weed being smoked and hear music. We figured it was just other teenagers, so we sat down and started to do our own thing. As it turns out, it wasn't other teenagers. A middle-aged woman came out of the trees behind us and asked if we had a cigarette. We said no, and as she was leaving, I blurted out something dumb. We do have weed, though, if you want to smoke with us. The lady accepted my offer and told us that she and her husband were cooking chicken and that we could have some if we were hungry. Intrigued, Sophia and I followed this strange woman further down the path. Bro, I'm out. Yeah. What are you doing as a middle-aged woman cooking chicken in the woods? Well, we're going to find out. So this strange woman and a strange man, both middle-aged looking, had a campsite set up. They had trash cans, a fire pit, a tent, a fishing spot, chairs, and they even had built a treehouse slash stargazing spot. My friend and I sat down by their fire pit, and at first it was quite awkward. Then, as the ganja kicked in, we started to small talk about our lives. We told them we were in high school and about our daily activities. Then we asked them why they were camping out there. The man told us that his wife had an aneurysm while they were sleeping, and he had woken up to her dead. A few days later, his dad got shot in front of him. The woman told us that she had just gotten out of an abusive relationship. Essentially, they both needed some time away from life. They told us that they were friends from high school and had rekindled their situationship and decided to take some time away in nature. The woman offered to read our tarot cards and we accepted. Her situationship told us about how she was quote-unquote gifted and that reading tarot cards was her passion. She gave us a pretty accurate reading. In fact, she had a special insect deck and pulled out a bumblebee card for me. As she started to explain what it meant, a bee flew over our heads. As she was in the middle of reading Sophia's cards, we began to hear someone walk up the trail. A much older man had stopped right in front of their camp and was looking at us with a confused look on his face. Paranoid that we were not supposed to be there and that he was going to tell us to leave, I asked, sorry, should we leave? Although it was difficult to understand him because of his accent, I remember that he told us we didn't need to leave. Then I recognized him. He was one of the old men who had waved at us on our way in. He asked us if, quote-unquote, we were partying. We said no, that we were just chatting. The old man looked at Sophia and I and said something along the lines of, Do you want to come to my house? I have beer at home. That's when I knew immediately that something bad was about to happen. 
The man who was camping out didn't pick up on what I was picking up on and offered him a tour of their campsite. After a few seconds, I went back to watching the card reading and hoping that the old man would just leave. In my peripheral, I saw the old man turn and walk away toward the rest of the trail, which was very relieving. After about 30 seconds, I felt eyes on the back of my head. I turned around and the old man was still there. He was standing there and staring at Sophia and I. Usually when you catch someone looking at you, they look away. He didn't. I felt like he was looking at us like two bags of meat. I immediately texted Sophia, who was right next to me, that we needed to leave. At that moment, my fight or flight kicked in and I was ready to go. I had bad feelings about the old man since the second I saw him enter the campsite and this just reassured to me that he was bad news. The strange woman packed up her tarot deck, looked at Sophia, and said, don't let anyone fuck with you on the way out. I immediately whipped out my pepper spray, packed up all my stuff, and we ran out of there. I called my boyfriend to come get us, and we got in the car crying. By the time we got in the car, we had both realized that the older man had definitely seen us ride our bikes to the beach alone in our bikinis. He most likely thought we were alone up there, in a secluded area. I don't want to think about what would have happened if those campers weren't there. It gets worse. A few weeks later, my friend Sophia and I got bored again. We thought it would be a grand idea to go back to see if that couple was still there. We didn't go without protection, though. I brought my pepper spray, a knife, and Sophia brought a small axe. We rode our bikes back to the beach. On the way in, we noticed two backpacks full of clothes lying on the ground. This wasn't unusual because the beach was littered with trash, clothes, shoes, and all kinds of nasty stuff. Then we began to climb up the same rocks as last time, and things got even more unusual. Clothes were strewn across the rocks and in the water down below. The closer we got to the campsite, the more belongings we found on the ground. When we got back to the campsite, we found that it was completely destroyed. The trash cans were full of clothes. Everything had been rained on, clothes were stuffed in the fire pit and burned, the tree house was smashed, the tent was torn, shoes, purses, toiletries, glasses, wallets, everything was everywhere. The most alarming thing that I found was the woman's tarot card book. The book looked like it had once been loved by her. I picked it up and every page was annotated with detailed notes, but it had been left there and it was now soggy and wet and the pages were falling apart. Then I found the lid to a bucket that I had sat down on the last time I was there. Written on it was heroin bitch, three, comma, two days, or cops are on the way. That makes no sense to me. Yeah, it seems like he's asking for drugs, and if, if they don't give it to him, then cops are on the way? That's what I'm getting? Oh. I don't know. After reading that, Sophia and I booked it out of there. We were terrified. I called the non-emergency police line, and they said to be safe, I should just call the police. I called the police, and the two cars met us there. And they came clean about everything, except the weed, obviously. Instead of investigating or seeing if there had been a previous call about squatters at the location or talking to the owner, they simply told us it was out of their hands because it was private property and that we needed to go home immediately or they would call our parents. To this day, I don't know what happened. Maybe that old man was going to do bad things to us if we were alone. Maybe he wasn't going to. Maybe they were homeless squatters. Maybe they were telling the truth. Maybe the old man was a murderer and he couldn't kill us, so he killed them. Maybe no one got killed and the mean owner kicked them out. All I know is I'm glad those campers were there. 
if they hadn't been there and if we had been alone, I think this story would have ended up much worse. Now, almost three years later, I realize how stupid Sophia and I were being. Never would I ever again smoke weed with strange middle-aged people in the woods or go back after we almost got kidnapped slash killed slash assaulted by a creepy man. I will say it is a fun story to tell at parties. I wish I could remember their names. To keep me sane, I like to think they're okay. Thanks for reading, Lily. Yo, that's super weird. Super weird. They go back to the campsite and everything is everywhere. Her tarot book That's the part that really is like kind of telling to me is the this tarot book that was something that she like loved and was quote unquote her passion and like was annotated and clearly looked after was now ripped apart and like wet and on the ground and left behind. That's a little spooky. Yeah, but I don't know if they had to leave immediately because of drugs or they thought they were going to get caught or they got spooked about something and they had to just ditch everything. Yeah, maybe. Or if they were abducted. I mean, it's just one of those things you'll never know. Exactly. But it is very scary. Like, clearly this couple didn't know this old man who had stumbled across their campsite because he was like, oh, I'll give you a tour. Like, he was just... It was just another person that had like walked up, you know? Yeah. So it clearly wasn't like good vibes. But she had the pepper spray on her. Yeah. Hats off to her for having pepper spray and totally some kind of defense. Like, I mean, he acts up, he's getting some spray to the face. If he fucks around, he's about to find out. You're going to find out. Yeah. Real quick. Yeah. Ultimately, very glad nothing happened to them, at least. And I hope nothing happened to that couple. Hope they're okay. No idea. Me too. But anyway, why don't we move on? Hey, Steph and Alex. As a little backstory, I live in a city just north of Salt Lake City, Utah, and I am a massage therapist. While I was in massage school, my friend and I went to a bar to celebrate New Year's Eve. We were having a great time, and at one point in the evening, two men walked up to us and were very flirty. My friend and I were not interested, and she turned to me to ask how school was going. At this point, one of these guys asked me what I was in school for. Very curtly, I said massage therapy and went back to talking to my friend. Again, he interrupts us and says, Oh, that's so awesome. I could use a massage. I'll give you $1,000 for one. I knew exactly what he was asking for, and it wasn't a massage. I politely declined and went back to talking to my friend. This man continued to harass me and my friend in front of the bar staff. I told him no time and time again until one point I'd had enough. He asked me one last time and I lost it. I said, I don't do what you're wanting and you need to back the hell off. He advanced towards me and I swung. I hit him in the face and he dropped to the ground. Hell yeah. Now the bar staff heard and saw everything and sided with me for doing what I did and he was kicked out of the bar. The next morning, there was a breaking news story about a woman who had been murdered. The man responsible was caught, and when they showed his mugshot, I about pooped my pants. It was the man that tried to get me to give him a massage. Stay safe out there, ladies. Be rude and stay safe. If your gut tells you something is wrong, then something is wrong. Thank you both for giving me a way to unwind after my long days. Y'all are the best and just keep breathing. From Jill C. 
Damn, Jill. Yeah. Shout out, Jill. No, very true. Be rude and stay safe. And just clock this bitch in the face. <laughs> I mean, this story is insane. I love it. When I read it the first, because we we got to read the story beforehand or else <laughs> it's just a complete mess. Yeah. Um, And when I read this story, I literally, my jaw dropped and I just laughed for about two straight minutes yeah. because- I could not believe that she just turned around and knocked him out. It's insane. Yeah, instead of just keep breathing, just clock a bitch. Just clock a bitch. Put it on merch. I mean, (laughs) what a boss bitch. Like, if you're going to be a girl boss, just knock him out. Just clock a bitch. I mean, this is crazy. And then the next morning, you see this news story. Yeah, that's really scary. That is surreal. That's like, have you heard of... um people who encountered ted bundy and then they see him on the news like being ted bundy and they're like oh my god he tried to take me home once yeah no i remember during the documentary we watched about him i don't know why i latched on this part because i'm sure the parts you're talking about are way more scary but he like went to the university of michigan and watched a football game in a bar there and almost like got into a fight with somebody and the person that he almost got into a fight with was probably almost murdered yeah Probably. And they had no idea. Yeah, I mean, he was just doing that all over the country. And then you just see him on the news. Yeah. Actually, at some point, I will be talking about the survivors of Ted Bundy, so we will get into it, but not today. Haha. <laughs> see what uh, I did there? Podcast. Ah, it's our show. Yeah, I don't know. I'm like totally for if somebody's being like this, just absolutely shitting on them verbally. Like, yeah. I mean, I, get I don't know. The this guy's clearly, weird. Clearly, this man was unhinged and not a good person, but that's always so annoying when like someone's trying to like talk to you in like a setting and you're giving them like a one word answer that's like a very clear indication hey leave me alone and they just don't get the hint you're like seriously we really got to keep doing this i don't know i also think like maybe you just like go the other way you like start acting crazy like i feel like that's always been a good response oh yeah just start barking at them yeah or like you're like you want some of this and you just take your You just take your lipstick and you start like drawing it all over your face. Wow, that's a move. Yeah. But then you have to like own that for the rest of the night. Maybe you don't do it all over your face, you know? (laughs) Okay. You do something nuts. Yeah, do something. She she was great. She did great. Jill, you killed it and didn't get killed. And we love that for you. (laughs) Thank you for writing in. Thank you for not dying. Why don't we move on to the next (laughs) one? Thank you for not dying. Yeah. All right. On to the next Hi, my name is Angela. I started listening to your podcast in the beginning of August of 2022. I love your podcast and it helps me get through the day as a stay-at-home mom. So thank you for that. Shout out, Angela. (laughs) Yes, hell yeah, Angela. So here is my survival story. In the year 2000, I was 15 and my family and I went on a camping trip to Yellowstone National Park with my mother's extended family. There was a large group of people that were included in this camping trip. One day, my great-aunt decided that all of us were going to go on a hike to the top of Mount Washburn. It was said to be an easy hike to the top of the mountain, where there was a watchtower. So the group of us that decided this hike would be a great idea started out together, but soon we ended up in three big separate groups. We were just walking in our group, talking and looking at the trees and wildlife, birds, butterflies, and squirrels, and the hike was an easy walk. Soon, we got to the point where we were, quote-unquote, climbing up the mountain. The hike trail started to wrap itself around the mountain. We were about 200 to 300 feet from the watchtower slash lookout area at the top of the mountain. 
I had stopped to tie my shoe, and I said, go ahead and go on without me. It's only a few hundred feet to the top, and I can do that by myself. So my group headed off without me. So I tied my shoe, and as I got up, I saw a very large ram standing on a very large boulder, about five to ten feet in front of me on the side of the trail. He had to be about three and a half to four feet tall. He locked eyes with me, and I very slowly started to walk, but as soon as I made the small movement, the ram jumped off the boulder and started walking straight toward me. I started to move myself up against the side of the mountain, trying to make room for him, thinking he was just going to pass me, but then he walked up to me, lowered his horns to the side of my hips and upper legs, and I froze because I had never been that close to a wild animal, and I didn't know what exactly to do, so I just stood there completely still with my arms wrapped around my upper torso. About three or four seconds after he had pinned me to the side of the mountain, he made a little noise, and I saw a smaller ram standing on top of the same boulder. I'm assuming it was a female because she had smaller horns and she was smaller altogether. She then jumped down off the boulder and onto the trail. Then I see little rams coming up and over the same boulder, so as she trotted down the trail into a small cutout and made her way back to the forest, the little rams, I'm assuming her babies, followed her. When the last baby got into the forest, I hear the female make a sound. Then the male ram raised his head, looked me straight in the eye, and nodded his head, almost like he was saying, thank you for not moving, and then the male ram proceeded to walk to the same cutout back into the forest. As soon as I felt it was safe to move, I ran the last bit to where my group was. I immediately asked, did anybody see that? And they all said yes. They watched as this ram literally held me up against the side of a mountain to let his family go by. I asked them, what did you guys think was going to happen? They didn't know, but they hoped that nothing would happen as long as I stayed still, and then the ram would let me go after his family had passed. <laughs> Later on, I was told by my dad that they had seen the same ram as they were walking up, but he was in the forest area. They never dreamed that he was going to come up on the trail, but that's what happened. Just for a little bit of reference, at the age of 15, I was approximately 5 foot 6 inches tall. So you can just imagine what it felt like seeing a ram that was about my height looking at me. I was very scared. I had no idea what was going to happen. Like I said before, I had never been face to face with any kind of large wild animal. I now have a very good respect for wild animals and what the family dynamic looks like in the nature world. Like I said, I was 15 when this happened, and now I am 37. I never understood why I knew what the ram wanted me to do, but now, as a mother of two boys, I understand the ram just wanted to get his family to a safe place. And I just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. I know I'm not within your generation, but I love listening to your podcast because it helps me understand that yes, I may have crazy or hard days, but there are people out there that have it way harder. So again, thank you for your podcast and everything you guys do. Angela. Thanks, Angela. Thank you, Angela. That is insane. Isn't it? He just pinned you against a rock. His family passed, then he was like, You're good. You're good. That was a good one. I mean, it's just like such a weird thing to happen in nature that a ram doesn't ram you, (laughs) you know? He just... He just like pushes you against the wall for like 30 seconds. Yeah, like a minute or two as little babies two. pass. Lets you go, makes eye contact with you, uh-huh. and then not. <laughs> Are you insane? Are we he in goes, Snow White? 
Yeah, I mean, it's like, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, bro. Like, you just were cool. Yeah, that also, was cool. Also, he had a, a noise, like a signal with his, his ram wife. Yeah, dude. Because he, like, he was like, all right, you guys can go. And then she's like, all right, we went. Like, that's... <laughs> he was like, we good, dog. <laughs> that's what it translated to. <laughs> we good, dog. The husband's like, yo, she's chill. She's chill, Martha. Martha. <laughs> Martha the ram. Got her pin, babe. <laughs> if she tries anything, babe. I got her. These horns, babe, ram don't it. fuck with them. <laughs> They're gonna ram her. Oh my god. No, but for real though, glad nothing happened. Glad you're okay. Thank you for your story. Okay, I think we have one more story. Shall we move on to that last story? It's a little bit shorter than the rest. Yeah. Let's finish off strong, shall we? Hey, I really enjoy your podcast. I found out about it a month or two ago and have been listening nonstop. I'm writing to tell y'all a story that is not mine, but one of my ex-best friends. I was at work one day, and when it was time to go on break, I realized that I had a ton of missed calls from said best friend. I called back, and she told me what had happened to her. She explained she was walking to the gym like usual in broad daylight, probably around 10 a.m. or so. She was about a block away when all of a sudden she felt someone get close behind her. She turned her head slightly and saw a man who then leaned in and told her that he had a knife and to come with him so that he could ask her a few questions. She said that in that moment, her immediate reaction was to ignore him and act like she heard nothing and she proceeded to speed walk away. She said that she could see the gym entrance and knew that if she could just get there that she would be safe. Luckily, she made it and immediately told the person at the front desk to call the police. By that time, the man had disappeared and the cops came and took a statement. That experience in itself was pretty crazy and scary, but what really terrified her was that much later that night, the police department sent an officer to her home. When he got there, he asked a lot of the same questions again so that they could positively ID the guy who had tried to attack her. The officer then confirmed he had been found and explained to her that an hour before he had tried to run up on her, he had assaulted and raped another woman. This was shocking because she had come so close to being the next victim. This story freaked me out because as a woman, this is quite literally one of my biggest fears and I don't know about anyone else, but I'm always wondering about what the best reaction would be to protect yourself. I couldn't help but think, is this a good way to react in that sort of situation? It definitely worked for her. I bartend and get off around 3am or later most nights and I'm always wondering what the best tactic would be if anyone ever tried anything during my bike ride home. I know you also bartend stuff, so if you have any tips, feel free to share. Anyway, hope you all enjoyed my story and be safe out there. Damn, that's so scary. I know, I'm, I'm thinking immediately, bring pepper spray with you. Yeah know where it is know where to find it have it in your pocket when you go by people like i have it in my hand usually i'm usually yeah. like holding it either like in my sleeve or in my pocket and yes i did when i was like riding my bike home from bartending i would either be on the phone with someone that way i was always like in contact with someone and but it's kind of a 50-50 thing. I always wanted to be on the phone with someone. That way I had like a witness, as terrible as that sounds. But also you don't want to have your headphones in, in a way that makes it seem like you're unaware of your surroundings. So I would either have like one headphone on and be like talking to someone audibly. 
but still be very much aware of my surroundings and also having pepper spray in my hand. So it's just being a woman sucks sometimes, you know, it's like, what the hell? Why can't we just be able to walk home or walk to the gym at 10 in the morning? Like, what the hell? Yeah, I know that so early in broad daylight. Yeah, it's just nuts. You always have to be so aware of your surroundings. It sucks. But there's no way even if I was walking at 10. I mean, anyone would feel like at 10 a.m. in broad daylight that you don't need to have pepper spray in your hand. Oh, my God. No, I would not have pepper spray in my hand walking to the gym at 10 a.m. I only have pepper spray in my hand when it's like dark. Right. I don't know. When we were doing it, I would like come get you and we would like ride home together sometimes, yeah. like have other people. But I mean, you can't always do that, you know? You can't always do that. But And and this wasn't even, I mean, she was feet from the gym. It's not even like she was like in a secluded area, like on a long walk. Like she was in a, in a probably populated area just outside of her gym. Like, yeah, it's so random sometimes and so scary. But I think she did the best possible thing she could possibly do. She did the right do. thing. Yeah, I mean, and like this is definitely does not happen all the time. No, I mean, no, but also it's yeah. good to be aware of your surroundings at any given point. But Correct, but we don't need to be terrified at all times. Well, no, you know? no, it's definitely not healthy to be scared 100% of the time. But as a woman, it's very important to be aware of your surroundings and that's just how it is. But I think she did a very good job. God, ice in the veins? Like you have to walk, you just keep walking and pretend like you didn't hear them? Yeah. I don't know if I could do that. That's the best possible thing. I mean, you have fight or flight or freeze and she just flight. Well, glad you're okay and glad everyone's okay. Yeah. So glad your friend's okay. Glad you don't have your own survivor story because, you know, we don't want anything bad to happen to any of you. These were all such insane stories. Thank you for sending them. And to anyone who has an insane story like any of these or anything else, send them our way and you might hear them on another listener story in the future. But anyways, what's your good thing this week? I think I would like you to go first this week. <laughs> I can go first this week. My good thing was our gingerbread party last night. It wasn't really a party. It was just a few of my gal friends came over and we decorated some gingerbread houses and it was very lovely. And I did it last year and we did it again this year. And it is just the highlight of my Christmas season. It's very fun. And I love eating gingerbread. I mean, we stay gingerbread. We stay eating gingerbread over here. All right. My good thing is that I had a nice office holiday party. We did a little Mario Kart. Wow. We did a little Switch games. Okay. We We found this new game called Unspottable. It was actually really fun. I'm excited We're gonna to play. try it out. Yeah. We're going to play. And uh, it was lit. Good. Anyways... <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening. If you would like to look at all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about, check us out on Instagram at nottoday underscore podcast. If you would like to check out the bonus episode that came out this week, check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash nottodaypodcast. If you have a story of survival or something crazy that's happened to you, send it to nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a TikTok that is not today podcast and a Twitter that is not today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a three. Because that makes sense. And... Just keep breathing. Yeah. Yeah.